So, Lisa Billiot, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Thank you so much. And I wanted to start talking about your energy, your confidence, everything that you bring onto the table, your A game. You used to be nothing like who you are right now. You went into business with Tom, created a freaking amazing company. Tell me about that transition of going from like being insecure and not happy with your life to transforming yourself completely. Well, first of all, I'm damn proud of you, homie. You got your own damn podcast. This is so beautiful. And so as we're talking about transitions and where we, where we started from and where we're going, I don't think my story is unique in any sense, in the sense of I felt insecure. I still am insecure. I face things all the time that I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing in my entire journey is does that matter? Can I get better? Like, that's the thing. And so when you have that mindset, you're able to keep moving forward. Now, I didn't have that mindset at the beginning. I just kept stumbling forward because I knew at the time, going from a housewife to starting a company, our house was on the line. So I couldn't wait to see if I could do it. It was, if you don't do it, Lisa, you lose your house. And so that becomes real quick, like that becomes very quick, very, uh, very real, very quickly. Do you think that was a good idea to go in with that big risk? It's hard to say because it worked out for me. <laughs> but the truth is, okay, let me back up. So the truth is when Tom came home and said this to me, I, as a woman, see my house as a nest. So when we first bought the house, this is where I'm going to bring up my children. Like this is where I nurture. This is where I have family meals. And so when Tom came home and he's like, oh, the thing that you pride yourself on as a woman, the thing that you love, I actually want to gamble it away was very scary. Now, what we realized in that conversation is, is that we just see things differently. I see the house as a nest. Tom sees the house as a nest egg. So understanding that there isn't a right or wrong. And then, so that's part of it. Then the mm -hmm. second part of it is, who did I marry? I married an ambitious man. I married someone that pointed up to the stars and was like, that's my shot. So now in this situation where I find myself in, this extremely ambitious man that I fell in love with, as part of what I'm attracted to, turns around and lives up to his reputation of being ambitious, of pointing and saying, that's where we're going. Now, so then the question is, are you willing to jump aboard? I knew the man I married. So even though it didn't feel good at the time, I was like, but this is my house. I knew that was emotion. And I knew I had to get my head right. I knew that I had to emotionally sober up to recognize it was just an emotional reaction I was having to a piece of property. I could get another house if I lost it. If Quest failed, I could get another house. I wouldn't be happy. I would have moments of tears. I don't want to pretend. But let me tell you, I understand and I'm very aware I can't get another husband. I can't get another Tom. And so when you can see things that damn clearly and you can say this is meaningful to me, but really, is it, is it replaceable? Yes. The, over here is something that isn't replaceable. Then even if Quest didn't work and we lost our house, I would have been okay with it because I did the emotional mental process leading up to it. So to answer your question, it was of course a great idea because we won, because you know, <laughs> like it ended up working out for us. Yeah. But even if it failed, I would have been proud that I did it because I knew why I was doing it. If you're the person that worries and every day is like, oh my God, if this fails, I am going to be so crestfallen and I don't know how to get up, don't freaking do it. I'd processed it, I saw if this fails, I'm okay. If this fails, I'm still good. And that was how I was able to literally jump in with both feet. And the phrase I said to Tom in that moment that became the famous phrase mm. is sink or swim, we go together. 
What did you see in Tom to be able to have that trust to be able to do that? Yeah, this is good, Axel. That's a good question because people just think, believe in them. That's blind belief. That's wanting someone to do well, but can they actually do it? Now with Tom, I didn't know if he could develop the skills in order for him to achieve it. But I knew he would do everything he possibly could to build the skills to achieve what he wanted to achieve. And so in that, I believe you're willing to do what it takes to learn and get better. And so that's the only belief I think you can have in someone because mm -hmm. the success isn't guaranteed. The success isn't guaranteed in yourself. So why the hell are you going to look at someone else and go, you better win, otherwise I'm going to lose my house. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm. You say, are they willing to do what it takes? And that's actually a thing, if you don't mind me derailing conversation a bit, yeah. it's like how people in relationships, right? Where it's like, God forbid, let's say someone cheats on you or mistreats you in some way. And they come back and they beg for forgiveness. The truth is, what have they done that is going that um, what have they what are they going to do differently that is going to allow them to never repeat that error? Because if they are just saying, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again, it ain't good enough. You actually have to recognize whatever I did, whether it's cheating, mystery, whatever, came from somewhere. Where did it come from? How can I change? Do the work. If you see the person doing the work, then you can understand they're sincere in the change. So the same to derail to come back to Tom, mm -hmm. it was the same with Tom. It's like you could he could have been the person that was like, babe, I'm gonna build this company, I'm gonna be successful. And at 6 p.m. he's on the couch, he's you know, with the remote on the weekends, he's going to play soccer with his mates, he's drinking. That all shows that what he said was bullshit. Mm -hmm. So now I just go, what did I see in Tom? He was a man of his word. He was a man that said, babe, I will do this. And he did it. He was the man that even when it was hard, metaphorically bleeding, he would still show up every day. And to be honest, that is what I supported. Not only if he succeeded, I supported the journey, the process, his evolution. And that was why um, in that moment when it was like sink or swim, I bet on you. I don't bear on the possibility. I don't bear on maybe if this happens and this happens, then we're going to win. I bet on you being the type of person where you're going to learn the skill and try your damn best. Now, what about yourself and what was that process for you? Because I know that people might think, oh, Tom went and built a company and you're just Tom's wife. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I bet you have to struggle with that in many different settings because Tom is such a public person. He was the CEO of the company and all that. But I know your story and I have worked with you, so I know how freaking great you are at business. So how was your transformation going into all of that? Because you didn't go to business school. You actually went to film school. <laughs> so, Which is why me and you have so many creative battles yes. because we're both film experts. Yes. So how was that process for you of then going in and learning? Because now you have to make this work. And I have seen you, even in the last few years that we have worked together, I have seen you evolve and get better with things in business uh, and changing your mind about things and then pivoting. How do you handle all of that for yourself? Thank you, dude. That really means a lot coming from you. Um, I mean, look, you know, I'm so goal oriented. And so I pride and focus on my goal way more than I do feeling good about myself. How did you get to that? Because that's difficult. It is, dude. But when you've spent eight years hating your life, honestly, I mean, like I was 
a stay-at-home wife supporting my husband for eight years. Now, nothing, as you know, wrong at all of being about stay-at-home wife, unless it's the life you don't want. Then it becomes torture. And that's what happened to me. I literally, after eight years, I was like, I went to film school. I was going to win an Academy Award. And literally, now on a Wednesday, my job is waking up, cooking for my husband, walking the puppies, and then watching E! News. That became my life. And when you do that for eight years and you feel like you've lost your dreams, your hopes, the spirit, the energy you see in me now, it was gone. It literally was a flame that petered out. And so when it comes to the point where I happen to have the opportunity because of Quest thrown into the deep end, in that moment, I was like, do you want to go back to the eight years where you didn't feel alive? Do you want to go back to the eight years where you had the luxury to go to the gym, hang out with your friends? It was what on paper would appear to be the best life. You, I literally didn't have to worry about money because my husband was going out and earning it. I was cooking, I was cleaning, I was hanging out with my friends and I was um, going to the gym. That didn't serve me. That didn't make me happy. So when I get thrusted into Quest and I'm like, oh my God, I love this. I just go, what life do I want? Do I want to go back there? I wasn't challenging myself, which made me probably emotionally be like more confident because I wasn't challenging myself. I wasn't seeing what I was bad at, right? So I can build my confidence, fake confidence. Mm -hmm. And then I just saw what Quest brought me. I saw that in moments of falling on my face, not knowing what I was doing, then processing, do you want to lose your house, Lisa? No, okay, well, you better figure out how to ship this box to Dubai, to Justin Bieber, right? Mm -hmm. This is a real situation yeah. where I don't freaking know what I'm doing. So I call up the UPS guy and I'm like, so I need to get food product to Dubai within 48 hours. And he just laughed at me, right? Now, I'm not an expert. I literally just told you, I spent eight years at home with my puppies. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, when I started to process, all right, Lisa, if you don't get this box to Dubai, Justin Bieber isn't going to post a photo with him and your Quest bars. Quest may go under, you may lose your house. So now, knowing all of that, and if I lose my house, I can go back to being a house stay-at-home wife. Do I want that? Hell no. Do I love what I'm doing? Hell yes. So when a problem comes to me, I process, this UPS guy is telling me I can't do it. I have a choice in this moment to accept that that's truth, or to say, it's not your house on the line, it's not your business. No one's gonna care about your dream more than you will. Mm -hmm. And I realized that. And so in that moment, I was like, can I speak to your manager, please? So I spoke to the manager, the manager comes on, and he's like, you can't do it. And again, I reminded myself, I'm actually making more work for him, right? I'm asking him to stay up late, I'm asking him to fill out forms, I'm asking him to do something out of the ordinary, because food, A, is very hard to ship. Dubai, very hard to ship mm -hmm. too. And then just speed delivery within 24 hours, uh, 48 hours, forget it. So all the things I was asking him was making his life worse. And so as a business person, as I started to process, I didn't think of myself as a business person then, mm -hmm. but you just process it. Where does this lead? Okay, I see where that leads to, not getting the bars there, potentially losing my house. What could the plus side be? Bieber could post a photo. It could change our business. Like that dude, you know what influence social mm -hmm. media has. So I was like, I, I cannot accept this. Now it wasn't that I knew another way. It was just, I was like, I can't accept this as my answer because there must be a way. And in that idea, there must be a way, made me keep pushing. The manager says no. I'm like, cool, I'm left with figuring it out on my own. So I go on to Google. I start reading about freaking imports and exports and costs and forms and what do I have to fill out? And so I was like, I'm just going to do everything. I'm going to do more than it needs in the hope it bloody gets to the buy. I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if it, I would get to my goal, but you better believe I didn't stop. And because I kept pushing, 
the bars got to damn Dubai. I know that for you, like I mean, working with you, every time I said, no, you cannot do that, Lisa, you're like, why not? Uh, which is very annoying. <laughs> But at the same time, it works, especially in production and like the work that we do. A mm -hmm. lot of the times, I'm the one also telling you, why cannot we do it this way? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really interesting. So how have you been able to utilize all of that now going into impact theory, building a media empire, mm -hmm. a massive company that sometimes I have to remind you, yo, you're freaking famous. Like, you're so funny <laughs> when you say that to me. I yeah. just laugh in your face when you say that to me. Because you time. forget and like the stuff that we do, I remember one time I was coming on a plane and I was, we had just started with the book. I was reading the book on the plane and when we land, the lady in front opens up her phone, opens Instagram, and I peek, like on the airplanes, I'm always looking at what everyone is watching, mm. just so I know what people are like Smart. vibing with. So she opens her phone and she's like on Instagram watching a clip from Women of Impact. That's and it. that made me feel so freaking mm. good. So you're doing that now. Mm. How do you go about just building this massive like media machine? Like, how do you get a process through all of this and put that in, in play? Because, Lisa, most people have no freaking idea of the things that you do. Hmm. They probably think you spend all the time, like, interviewing people and talking about... <laughs> <laughs> you mimic me. <laughs> yeah. But you spend probably 80% of your time, if not more, doing hardcore business meetings, being a hard ass about process, like, getting on my nerves about <laughs> filling out this and the SOP. Tell me about that. Yeah. So look, we both have such a love for content, such a love for content. And when you have a love for content or the art, you can lose yourself in it. And I get it. Now, I can choose a life where I just get lost in my art and people don't necessarily see it. And that's, you know, very emotionally satisfying to me. And I show up every day and I just show up for myself. That isn't my goal or my mission. So understanding what your mission and goal is, is going to be imperative. Um, and so when I go, okay, I really want to impact girls on a global scale. I didn't feel good at myself at the age of 14. And so if I had content out there that was empowering women, making them laugh, making them mm -hmm. smile, giving them motivation, encouraging them they can do anything they want then would my life have been different would I have not spent the last 20 years of my life unwiring all the shit that I now believe is what a woman on me should do right like I'm working on unwiring that it just takes so long so I go okay my mission really is to impact globally that's why I chose not to have children it was very deliberate when I sat down and said do I want kids as an entrepreneur that loves what she does that's when I went back to what's my goal? What's that North Star that I'm gonna wake up every day? And it really was, I wanna impact women on a global scale. And so when I realized children for me would be a distraction for me, not for everyone else, be a distraction for me. And then I said, do I wanna just empower my children? I think that's so admirable. But I had to almost, in, not everyone has to decide. For me, it felt like I needed to decide a path because I go all in, I can't half-ass something. Yeah. So I was like, I wouldn't be okay with just impacting four people assume I have four kids, um, or 10 people. I want to do it on a global freaking scale. That's just my personality. And so I don't want to trick myself to be like, oh, if I just help one person, then I'm satisfied. No, I'm not. That's not who I am. That's not what I want. So now that I've processed my mission, what I'm trying to get to, no bullshit, how the hell are you going to get there? How, no bullshit, Lisa, are you going to impact women on a global scale? So now I go into content. This is where me and you talk a lot about mm -hmm. YouTube, right? We go into content, what looks good, what doesn't? How much money are we spending? 
Um, what are the results? And so now I know if I need to impact women on a global scale, do you think I'm ever going to be satisfied with just 5,000 views? No, it doesn't align with my goal. That's not a global scale. That's 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. So I go, okay, cool. It's a reflection of how many people you're impacting. I don't think, I, I definitely try as much as I possibly can, we're all human, to not attach my self-esteem to my views. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you about that because in your case, you are the face of the show. Yeah. Like uh, for me, I'm behind the camera. So if it doesn't do well, it hurts, but it's like I did my best. How do you separate your own self-esteem from the performance of what you're doing on the show? So over time, I've actually changed the way that I look at it. So originally it was like, oh, if I show up and I don't get views, oh my God, people don't like me. Um, I don't think like that now. Was that at the beginning, like when yeah. you started your first yeah. episode? Yeah, because I hadn't done the mindset work. I was just like, I hope people like me. I just wanted to be liked. I really want to do content that people love. And the truth is, if you're not grown, it means that something's wrong. It could be you. You have to look at that. Like, if I really want to, imp if I'm actually telling you the truth, Axel, and I say, I want to impact women on a global scale, and I sit on the sofa, and I'm only impacting, let's say, 5,000 people. It's not global, so I try. Okay, what am I doing wrong? What can I change? Can I change the thumbnail? Can I change the headline? Can I bring down the cost so I can put out more content, right? I'm always thinking about what strategy is going to get me to my goal. Now, ultimately, if I start exploring all of these things, Axel, I've reduced the cost, I put out an episode every single day. I do solos, I do interviews, I interview guys, I interview women, I interview and I've tried everything, and it still doesn't work. There's two things. I'm either really bad in front of the camera or I'm bad at business. One of those th things is true. And if I'm really trying to get to impacting women on a global scale, I have to address these two. Because here's the thing, my mission is more important than me being in front of the camera. I actually really enjoy being in front of the camera now. Mm -hmm. But if they came into conflict, my mission's more important. So I would stop being in front of the camera, I would then go, cool, who can I support? Where can I bring my 10% of expertise to somebody else that can help them explode to impact women on a global scale? Because that's my goal. It's not the camera stuff. So I can, over time, I've been able to separate me as the host of like wanting to do great interviews with, am I actually creating the results that I'm looking for? Mm. And that has now become my North Star. Um, and that's why I had to get good at business. I had to get good at business because I could sit there all day and go, my content's just not good enough. But do you understand the algorithm? Do you actually mm -hmm. understand that by using this keyword, now you're gonna attract way more people than if you use this keyword? Do you know that if you actually start with, you know, um, and uh, as we've discussed many times, mm -hmm. right? You start with a 10 second intro that is fucking amazing, but now no one watches your videos. You're now prioritizing your creativeness mm -hmm. yeah. over your goal. Yeah, that one was hard to swallow because we did so much work, especially now looking back when we did Unstoppable, mm -hmm. like Jesus, like, Unstoppable was, uh, for people who don't know, a series that you did with Evie, I was directing. I spent so much time making the intros and we shot it, we were at the roof yeah. overlooking the city. And then like, it just doesn't perform. Like mm -hmm. it's, people skip it. Yeah. That was hard to swallow. And that's something I have learned working with you to let go of my creative uh, desire to do something. And I'm not perfect, I'm still working on that. In your case, you wanted to to make movies and I want to transition now a little bit into that. You wanted to make movies and like I won my Academy Award, you won yours, that's why we aligned. The yeah. first time that we had a call, yeah. I told you, I'm only doing this video for you because <laughs> I'm on a path to work with you so we can make movies. So 
now every day you're working so hard on the show on the company but you're not quite making movies mm. and this is something like i remember one time you and i were driving to an interview and like we were having like a back and forth and you said listen i know that you want to make movies right now i'm on a path to building something massive and bigger i need more time so tell me a little mm. bit about that strategy your dream with with that and how are you executing on the day-to-day -to, -day to lead you to making those films and making that content. I remember this conversation so well because you like took so offense to it and I took offense like we were really at each other mm -hmm. but it was because we were so passionate about our dreams mm -hmm. and so the key was in that conversation I realized was like my dream isn't always your dream right and your dream isn't always my dream and so mm -hmm. even though we love content and we work very closely together and we really enjoy it it's like our paths actually may be very different and even though we're on the same path now it's okay to acknowledge maybe we're in different paths even if we have a goal because for you you may be worth I'm willing to you know stay in an apartment with eight other guys and not have a career if I can make feature-length films great that's your goal I don't freaking a I don't want that life and then B I don't want to make a feature-length film and only have 3,000 people watch it. Mm -hmm. So I understand, I want a blockbuster. I want to be Wonder Woman. I want to mm -hmm. make a movie like freaking Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins is my fucking hero. Mm -hmm. And so I go, what do I have to do to get there? I know I'm not ready yet. If you put me on set as a producer, as an executive, I'm not ready. I haven't got the skill set in order to show up and freaking crush it. And Oprah says, um, you know, luck basically doesn't really exist. It's when opportunity meets preparation. preparation. So I'm not prepared to make a feature film yet. And so I just acknowledge I would miss an opportunity if you threw a movie at me right now. I'm not good enough. I need to build it. Now, what does that look like? And then refine what my dream was. Because when I was a kid, I just, I just want to make movies. But am I okay right now if you were like, Lisa, imagine I could click my fingers and you would have an amazing horror film that made millions and billions of dollars. Would you do it? No. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it doesn't align anymore with my mission. So you have to acknowledge your growth, your evolution, and then where you stand. And so even with me, I'm, you were just like, I just want to make movies. And I'm like, I don't. I want to make movies, but I don't just want to make movies. I want to make movies that empower women that can help them change their lives while being entertaining. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so when I go, that's what I want to do. I have to get there. I don't necessarily need to direct or produce. I can executive produce. I want to be in the creative part. But right now, I understand my audience. I know scale. And you know blockbuster money. You know blockbuster views. You know right now what streamings are looking for. Mm -hmm. And so... I think, at least this is my idea right now, is that you build the audience. Right now, I'm building the audience. I'm building the audience to know who Lisa Bilyeu is, what I stand for, and what I create. So that when I do a movie, people already are loving it, or people already know what I stand for. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, I could decide to shut this whole show down and focus on pitching shows to, to Hollywood, let's say. Mm -hmm. I could do that all day, every day, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be aligned with my mission and it's not part of my goals. That's great. So what do you think right now is uh, one thing that you could do different or something that you have been thinking about the new year, we're doing changes in the company. What is something that you see kind of as a roadblock or something that you're trying to change your mind around that you think is going to give you 
massive change in the next like 12 months? I think systems in place so that we have more weight as in like logistics of the company system. So, mm -hmm. okay, this episode didn't do well immediately the very next day. Why didn't it do well? Where did we lose people? How do we refine it? What's the messaging? Implement it into the next video, shoot the next video, get it out, test it. Like I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Um, I'm always surprised by your ability to like be a stickler for a process because you're also such a creative mm -hmm. person. Do you divide that? Do you get into a mode of like, okay, I put on my pants and now I'm going to do logistics and then I'm going to switch to art? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a different part of the brain. And, you know, obviously explaining everything that just happened with Quest, it was all logistics. So I went from being a stay-at-home wife, not really doing much, to then being thrown in to a company that was growing at 57,000% and I was responsible for all the logistics of getting the bars out. That, that's pretty quick growth. That's, you have to freaking pull up your socks and figure shit out. Mm -hmm. So I got very comfortable in the logistics role because I was waxing on, waxing off, right? The, the Karate Kid metaphor. Yeah. So over the years, I got very confident in logistics. Over time, I started to then go back to content creation, right? That's when we then started to build the studio with Inside Quest. And then building the studio in Quest, I started to connect back to my love of creative. And it became difficult a thousand percent of where is that fine line between creative and, um, and business and like logistical and process. I'm just going to come back to goal. What's your goal? So that's why the thing that me and you had, I think one of our first arguments was probably over how to shoot something. Because mm -hmm. to me, because I can keep going back to, but what's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? When I would say, right, we did our first tips videos mm -hmm. and you were like, okay, I'm going to bring my big camera. And I'm like, no, we're going to do it on an iPhone. And you're like, but Lisa, no. And I'm like, you've just pitched me a way to take this idea and put a big freaking budget to it because now you want the camera, you want the lights, which means you need time to set up, which costs budget. And I literally, I went, Axel, because you're like, but that's what it takes, Lisa. Do you remember this? And I went, Axel, what does this cost me? And I pulled people that can't see, I pulled up my phone, yeah. right? And I just looked at it. And that's where you need to go, right? Where in the mindset of things is breaking out of the belief system you currently have. And both me and you came from film school. So I had total empathy an understanding of where you were coming from. I had just, maybe had been a year or two ahead of oh, you yeah, in you business. Were, yeah, you were way, more than a year or two. Like, I remember some of the times that I felt like out of my element, I would remember, okay, they have been doing business for way longer than me. They have all of this time. So I just need to like learn and mm. like reassess why am I pushing for this? She's pushing for this. It just tricky because yeah. you have so many different personalities and so many people that come into play with production which is something that I don't know how you handle that you have to carry out very hard conversations with people a lot of the time in the day you spend in meetings telling people that they're not doing something properly and how to do it better I sound terrible <laughs> well no it's just like the the nature of running a business has that. And it also happens like for me when I'm on set, if I'm with a larger crew, I'm gonna be talking directly to people in a like almost emotionless way because mm. you need to get the movie mm -hmm. done, you need to get the shot done. So it's, it goes back to what you said of the goal. But how do you handle that in, in your communication, which is something that I have learned a lot with you, some tips and tricks about how to communicate to people when you have to 
like break their spirit in a oh, way. Oh, dude, it's so damn hard. It, it, I, I think this is the thing that I need to work on the most right now. Um, multiple reasons. One, I think I am too sensitive to other people. And so I try to caviar, I try to be like, oh, I'm just trying to say this. I hope you see what I mean. But I'm not actually just being straightforward. Like, this is how it is. This ended up in this result. Do you think that worked? If not, what are you going to do differently? Like, there doesn't need to be emotion in it. And yet me, I get in my own head when I talk to certain people because I'm like, they're sensitive. Oh, so I'm going to caveat it. And now I don't feel like a good leader. That doesn't feel good to me. And I think it comes across to them as well. I don't know that, but... As a leader, when it's, for instance, me and you, I know, dude, you, of course, have emotion. You're human. But me and you so are aligned on our goal and then being able to emotionally soothe and talk through things, right? So even if you're having an emotional reaction, I can even say to you, look, Axel, you're being emotional right now. And you're like, yeah, but, right? And then you can come back to me and be like, yeah, but Lisa, you. And we can be honest with each other. Now, when you're able to work with someone, you can have that type of level of honesty and transparency. Now I don't have to worry about your feelings is the truth. The second I have to, as a, as a boss, the second I have to worry about your feelings now, I'm not good at being direct, confident, and articulate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you realize it. I don't know how it comes across to you, but that's it, how it feels. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the moment. I think you're very direct and very articulate and you communicate very well, expectations and things like that we are just involved in so many projects Mm. and you have so many conversations with so many people that a lot of things are going to get lost. But I mean, comparing the way that we operate versus when I was working at NBC or Sony, Mm. we're way better than like those Ah! massive companies. Like, honestly, like in in the way that we handle the process, the communications and all that, it's just our business is very tricky and nuanced Mm. with so many Mm -hmm. different elements. So Mm -hmm. I think you do a good job with that. Now, of course, sometimes like, I remember one time I came for a shoot, you you get really like, anxious or like in a, in a very- Like energy. Right before you're about to shoot something. Yes. Like- Yes. I remember the times that I remember that I was like, oh my God, this woman is driving me crazy. (laughs) It was like right before a shoot. Because I think you have the anxiety of like everything to get started. Mm-hmm. And normally so. Like the beginning of a shoot is always the hardest part. Yeah. Um, something that I, I wanted to... Oh, before you go on, yeah, can I actually just add to yeah, that? Yeah. Um, you're 100% right. So I get, I need to get in my energy going. So some people meditate before they go on and they shoot things or they go on stage. I'm the person that I've got hip hop blasting my ear. Mm-hmm. I've got like, don't you fuck with me type yeah. music, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm like jumping in the air and... That's how, that's, I need to bring my energy up. Now, because I very deliberately bring my energy up, when I come on set and if shit's wrong, that is what fucking inspires me. Because I'm like, dude, I have to focus on me. You have a job to do. And so Mm -hmm. people can actually see the reality of how we Mm -hmm. work together. It's part of what I respect is, or like I think part of as a leader that I try to do is, do you want to take ownership over this role? Is this your responsibility? If the answer is yes, why the hell is that wrong? When you know, when we've mm-hmm. spoken about it and now that's three times that it's wrong. In the past, I was the person that would come down right and be like, Axel, why the fuck is this wrong? That's the old Lisa. Again, my evolution, 2023. You can hear me say this, or you probably heard me say it eight times mm-hmm. in the last seven days. 2023 is gonna be different. Now, when I come down, if something's wrong, I'm going to r- articulate that to you. Hey, this isn't right. 
let's see if there's a reason or let's see maybe there's a reason that I'm unaware of. I'll hear you out. Now when I've heard you out, I'll go, cool, have you learned from it for next time? If you say yes, the second time it's wrong, I'm no longer going to emotionally escalate. What I'm going to, and again, this is process for my own sanity, I'm going to now mark that down and email that to you. As a written statement, hey Axel, maybe there's something that you're struggling with that I don't know, but we did talk about this. This was a repeated error. Is there something that I'm unaware of? Right? Always giving someone the potential grace that, God forbid something happened in your personal life that I'm unaware of, right? Mm -hmm. So trying to give the space for that, mm -hmm. but then be very honest with you about the fact that you've just made the same error twice. Now, because I really care about you, because I want you to win, that's part of my responsibility to tell you, to show you. Um, and then if you do it the third time, then I will now give you principal dots, which is you know feedback that we do in the company. But now I've put in a process. So I've gone, who was the Lisa before? What doesn't serve me? Lisa, you get your energy up when you go on set. If something is wrong, you've got to let it roll off your back. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot let that then get your energy to a different level. So you recognize it, what's your goal? You recognize part of your personality, what gets in the way? Come up with a strategy to get out of your own way. So now 2023 is process and I've just laid out exactly what's gonna happen. So now I'm giving you the transparency that as my teammate that you have asked me to, because that is exactly what being at Impact Theory means, that as your teammate, it is my obligation to tell you when you are getting in your own way, when you are making mistakes, because we care about each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you work uh, with a lot of people, but from all of the people that you work with, you get to work with your husband. I do. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because not many people can pull that off, and I think you guys do a really good job at it, and I've always looked up to you uh, and Tom in that regard. Tell me about that dynamic and how are you able to make that work? This is really hard, and I don't necessarily advise it for all couples. I think you have to be very goal-oriented, number one. You have to be aligned on what that goal is. I think that you have, to, so it was very difficult at first, and so all the things I'm about to tell you are the things that allowed us to then have a successful marriage and a successful company, because we were just butting heads. Like any couple, right? Try and live with someone and not work with them. That's already difficult. Now, try and live with someone for 20 years and build multiple businesses together that you are responsible for multiple people's lives, right? Tom and I take a lot of responsibility. There's what, 52 people in our company. We're responsible for that. We don't take that lightly. So we go, we have to work out as a partnership in business. So how do you do that if you're responsible and you're both aligned on that goal? It is about being honest about your skill sets and the other person's skill sets. It's about knowing that you shouldn't overlap because if you're both great at the same thing, then that means one, one of you is obsolete. You don't want that in a partnership. Mm -hmm. So what are they? Identify those skill sets, give yourselves titles. Next thing is who's responsible, what department, if you've got a big company, what department you're responsible for? Because let's say I say I'm responsible for production and Tom's responsible for marketing, which is actually true. He comes over to production, he tells you something, Axel, right? and you go off and do it. And as the lead or the head of that department, I come in, you're like, yeah, but Tom told me to. 
Now, as a teammate, you're confused, right? It becomes the, I don't like to say it, but you know the kids where it's like, mom told me this and dad told me that, and now as a kid, I'm just confused because it's contradictory. We understand the problem of that. So we have to, we've had to beforehand say, you are the expert of this department. So for me, I'm the expert of production. I've spent most of my career in production. And so we've identified it, we've laid that out, and so now we have rules of engagement. Rules of engagement is, if Tom disagrees with something that I've decided on in the production department, rules of engagement is, he has to come to me and tell me he disagrees, I have to give him the space, but at the end of it, if he's unable to convince me, as the expert of my department, I am able to make that final decision, tell him I disagree with him, we're going to go with my idea, and I need him to disagree but commit. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Because you know what it's like when someone disagrees with you? Sometimes they sit in the corner waiting for you to fail, right? Mm -hmm. they like, they're like, see, I told you, and you won't work. That doesn't achieve anything in the business. Anybody, yeah. yeah. Like, if you've got a damn partnership in a business, that won't work. So Tom and I just go, okay, the goal is to make a successful company. If I don't agree with you, and now I'm sitting in the corner wishing you fail, that doesn't achieve the goal of our company. So we've figured out language. I agree, to, uh, I agree, sorry, I disagree but commit. We figured out departments, roles, responsibilities. And then the last thing is knowing that you're never gonna be the same even if you're in a partnership. So Tom will work from four in the morning, the moment he wakes up, to 8.30 at night. I know I can't do that long. A, my health just won't allow me to. I don't have the stamina for it. B, I don't want to work that much anymore. I've done that for so long at Quest yeah. and I ended up not enjoying my life. So separating the two of you, even though you're married, is going to be imperative and not judging yourself for it. So I've told Tom, I don't want to work as much as you do. As your business partner and as your wife, I support you. You want to work that much? Go ham. I can't and I won't. And I also need that respect as well. And he was like, of course, I respect you. And the last key is you have to actually understand that communication. Because let's say if you're in a partnership and you work together and I stop working at eight, eight o'clock. Basically, I give myself an hour before I go to bed. So I normally stop working at around eight o'clock. Tom is still working, right? Because he works until 8.45 before he gets into bed. So he may walk in the room and start talking business. We were clashing. We were just literally freaking butting heads over that. So I realized he's not doing it deliberately. I now started to feel guilty that he's still working and I wasn't. He was then disturbing my self-care time, right? And so it just became this ball of emotion that was only escalating. So we realized this doesn't serve us. This doesn't serve our relationship. This doesn't serve our goals. So what are we going to do differently? And so I realized I came up, you know, the, you've been to a Brazilian restaurant. Yes. You know, with the little things, yes. the meat, the no meat. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, what if I have something like that? that or, you know, like outside a studio on air and <laughs> the air, on air light and the off. I was like, oh, what if I just have that type of signal that allows him to know without me saying anything? <laughs> so the rule was now when he walks into the bedroom, if the lamp is on, it means I'm in my personal time. If the lamp is off, it means he can talk about business. <laughs> That's hilarious. And so we agreed, babe, do you agree with this strategy? And he was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Because everything's, let's give it a shot. You never know if it's gonna work. Mm -hmm. So we start doing it. And like after two days, he walks in, he's like, babe. And he sees the light on. He's like, love you. And then he walks <laughs> back out of the room. And in that moment, I was like, it worked. Like it, neither of us, we could have spent two years arguing about 
him working, me not, me feeling bad, me coming at him, stop bugging me when I'm in my self-care. And he's like, but I'm just trying to get the work done. And now this becomes really fr big friction, not only in the business, but that friction does go to your personal life. Mm -hmm. So that's where we come up with strategies, come up with ideas. Um, and then the last resort is usually, I feel we've spilled into personal now. And it's just a, a phrase that one of us will say if we're in a discussion and you may accidentally slip into personal, one of us tries to identify that and acknowledge when you say it. slip into personal, you mean... As husband and his wife versus business partners. So you're having a disagreement as in a personal, not in the business So sense? for instance, if Tom said something to me and he just said it blatantly and I turn around and I'm like, you're being so mean to me. I've now made it personal. Yes. I've now made it, my husband isn't being nice to me. Yeah. And that's where if I say that, he'll be like, you realize you've just taken it into personal. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. yes. Now, look, I'm never perfect. He's never perfect. But mm -hmm. these are the things that we practice, tweak, evolve, and grow from. Yeah, that's very difficult. And that's something that I, I tried to work uh, with my ex-wife. And it was difficult at times. And I decided not to do it. But then yeah. we still had some projects that we worked on together. Um, so that's something else that I wanted to talk to you about. Because like, you guys have been together for a very, very long time. Uh, and I thought when I got married, I thought I was going to be married forever. Mm -hmm. And then that uh, didn't happen. And I remember I was having a lot of issues at work because like, my, like I was in a bad emotional mm -hmm. state. And then when you found out, you reached out to me, we talked, and you said, like, no, I'm here for you as a friend too and all that. So I always, this one thing that I wanted to ask you, and I know it's not going to, like I don't see it happening, but... If you and Tom had to get a divorce, how would you handle that? Like, what would be the best way for someone who is having to go into that? How can they go about that? I think it's going to be circumstantial. You know, it's like when Tom and I first got married, I told him very clearly my non-negotiables because I was like, I have to actually say these words to him. Like, I can't just assume, even though you kind of go like, there's a lot of women, trust me, when I said this out loud in public, people were just like, you can't just expect that. And I'm like, good luck on your marriage, right? So the non-negotiables that I said to Tom is, if you cheat on me, I'm out of the door, period. If you ever hit me, I'm out of the door, period. Now, why do I think, why do I think I have to actually say those words? There's zero judgment, but there are people that, that take their partners back after being cheated. Again, zero judgment. You have the relationship you want. I just know I'm not that, I couldn't. I would never take Tom back because the trust is gone. No matter, you know how I said earlier, if they're willing to do the work, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. No matter what work Tom was willing so to if, do. So if that ever happened, you, you don't think you can come back from that? I wouldn't even discuss it with him, Axel. My bags would be packed and I'd be out the door before he even had another chance to breathe a word. I've been very clear with him about it. I was very honest about it. Now, here's the thing. I, if he cheated on me, I would never be malicious. I would give him his half of the company. I would give him his half of the money. I would never hold anything against him. I would just never talk to him again. Now, the reason why is being spiteful back because someone hurts you only hurts you. Like, honestly, Axel, it would, you know how much I'm in love with my husband. Mm -hmm. I would be, my life as I know it would be gone. And yet I wouldn't take him back. That's how much I know myself. That's how much I know 
how I would act, but that's also knowing how crestfallen I am, knowing how much it would hurt me. I can still say I would never retaliate back to him. I wouldn't talk to him. I just wouldn't. I literally would cut off every piece of communication. I would immediately go on Instagram. I would unfollow. Like everything. I would... And the reason why I would do it is because, like I said, I don't want to repeat myself, but I know who I want to be. What's the type of woman, Lisa, you want to be? That's all that matters. And am I going to let someone else's bad behavior dictate the person I can be or the person I show up to be? Because I'm not a cruel person. I'm not malicious. But I know I could be to Tom if he cheated on me. Mm. And I know what that would do to me. And so that's why I said, even with when you're, if you're talking about divorce, it all depends on the situation. So if he cheated on me, if he hit me, there would be no discussion. There would be no ins, ifs or buts. I would get my lawyers involved. I would literally, you want to take half the company, take it. You want to take 70%. Like that isn't my goal. I don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't fight for something that I didn't deserve either. Like that mm-hmm. isn't fair either. Like I'm, I think I am a very reasonable woman when it comes to that. I don't want to be the woman that acts on jealousy. I don't want to be a woman that acts on spite. That doesn't sit well with me. So knowing all that, you can understand why I said it all depends on the situation. So that, I just went and talked to him. Boom, gone. YouTube channel, don't know what's happening. Right? I, I would literally disconnect myself. Mm. Now, if it was we weren't getting along, A, I would say, did we do everything we possibly could to try and make it right? Everything we possibly could. Did we talk through things? Were they willing to go to therapy? Did I give therapy a shot? Did I quit too soon? Did I keep going? But if you've done all of that, because that to me is very important, did I do everything I can? That doesn't mean that we're always going to end up having a happy relationship, but did I at least give it the shot? And then the final piece is, if we did all of that, I'm hoping that we're able to part um, with grace. Mm -hmm. Like, I've spent 20 years of my life with him, and to then be able to, let's say, because we didn't get along, because maybe he's got a different goal, because maybe he's like, I want to gamble our life again, and I disagree, whatever. I can't even think of a situation. But let's just say there's just something we cannot get past. But he hasn't actually cheated on me or hit me. I only want what's good for him. Now, look, I can say that with not understanding or really knowing the specifics, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to go back to who is the person you want to be. So when it comes to you, Axel, in your relationship, right, with your ex... If you're ignoring her, if you're being moody, if you're being shoppy, if you're being difficult with her because of her, all the shit she's done to you, is that making your life happy? Is it helping your relationship with your kids? Like, if that's your goal, or is your goal to make her life miserable? You can't have both, mm-hmm. right? You oh, can't yeah. move on. You can't have a great relationship with another woman. You can't mm-hmm. be able to speak openly, kindly to your children about their mother. If you're not able to move on, if you're not able to keep growing, um, and so I think that, that that is really important is that mm-hmm. if you can look, you know, again, I'm, I'm just using you the example, yeah. but who do you want to be and are you showing up even despite what has happened to you, being proud of that um, act that you've done. Yeah. Well, thank you for like being open and honest about that. I, I know that's not something that is easy to talk about or like sexy to talk about or anything like that, but it's, it's life and it mm. happens. So. Uh, if you could do anything and money was not an issue, time was not an issue, what would you do? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, this, right? It's like, you know, obviously very fortunate of what happened with the quest that it gave us the freedom to say no bullshit. What do we actually want to do with our lives if money wasn't an issue? And it says, I work harder now. I work harder, not longer hours. I just work harder in the hours that I work. I work smarter now than I've ever worked in my life. And I don't have to turn up every day. Right? I don't have to, quote unquote, to pay the bills. Um, I spend so much time and energy on what I do. And so that this is the answer to what would I do every day if I didn't have to, it's this. And that's the question, right, that I ask when I'm doing a job interview, in fact. If I'm doing a job interview, one of the questions I very specifically ask is, if you had $100 million, assume you take 20 million, you go on your vacations, you buy your family the houses they've always wanted, you do all the trips, and now let's say you've got $80 million left. You wake up on Wednesday morning, what do you do? And that is so telling. Mm -hmm. It is telling to what really drives that person. Because if you ask me what I do on a Wednesday, what's today, Axel? Wednesday. What am I doing today, <laughs> Axel? We're doing this. Empowering people, right? Mm -hmm. And this interview has happened after an entire other television yeah. interview that yeah. you helped me with, mm -hmm. an entire coaching session that I've done. So this mm -hmm. is my third interview, in essence, mm -hmm. um, on an average Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And this is what I, this is how I shop. So when someone says, I spend it with my family, I'm on a beach taking care of my kids. That's what they really I mean. respect it, mm -hmm. but now you know what is their priority. And when they say that, I'm like, oh, you're not good. You know, unfortunately, you're probably not right for the company because maybe, depending on the role, of course, but the role actually requires you to prioritize your career because mm -hmm. this is what we're looking for. And there's no problem, right? I don't think that there should be a shame on someone that wants to prioritize their family. You have the life that you want. Mm -hmm. But that specific question is so damn telling on what actually drives somebody. Because also some of the answers I get is charity work. And then I go, well, what charity would you work for? And that again shows me what, you know, draws their heartstrings. Because if they said, oh, I work for a charity for, um, you know, abused women, all right, now I understand what drives you. You know, I actually do a freaking show that talks to therapists, that talks to doctors, that talks to experts about women that get abused. Mm -hmm. So now I can go, this person may be perfect for this role if it aligns with my content because they're gonna show up every day to help the person I'm trying to help. And sorry, I didn't mean to derail, yeah. but that's, I love that question. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. It was really special to have this interview. And uh, I'm really grateful to you. And, you know, I look up to you. And I'd really like to hang out with you and make cool stuff for you. So oh, yeah, dude. thank you guys so much for watching. If you enjoyed this interview, check out this other one. I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. And as always, we'll see you in another episode.